0: Hello and welcome to Monday's edition of the Terry Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Anderson and I'm joined tonight by Tom Watt.
1: Hello, how are you
0: doing? I'm, I'm good, Tom. How are you?
1: I'm very good, thank you. Um, just back from a couple of weeks in Italy, which uh, was absolutely lovely. And I'm sorry to everyone who feels a little jealous about it. I genuinely have been apologising to people because of all the people that got their holidays cancelled. And just got very, very, very lucky. And it was lovely to have some sun. So I'm sorry.
0: I, I don't think, I don't think it's really your place to apologise, unless you were responsible for the coronavirus outbreak um, in which case you, you definitely should be apologising. I, I, I
1: probably would owe a few people some apologies, yeah. not to my knowledge not to my knowledge I wasn't um, But, but
0: uh, no. That's as much as anyone can say, right? I mean, you, you never know who was, who was ultimately um, responsible well, I mean, you do, but um, let, let's not, let's not uh, spend too long on that, we're, we're depressed enough about all that as it is. Let's talk about something that is become slightly less depressing over the last couple of days um, which is the Scotland national team Uh, last night Scotland um, defeated Slovakia 1-0 at Hamden um, to move or remain top of uh, the Nations League group and put ourselves in with really good chance of winning that group ahead of the the game against Czech Republic on Wednesday so what did you make of the game in general Tom?
1: I I mean I think we've we've obviously spoken before that there has been the results have been pretty decent for a while uh, you know the last seven that's now seven unbeaten um although the caveat has been that both performances haven't been great and the opposition hasn't hasn't been great i think last night was the first time when it was a team, you know, we were up against a team that, that wasn't their C team. It wasn't a bottom tier um, international side. It was a actually a fairly decent uh, international side who we probably would have lost to a couple of years ago. And for the first time, tentatively, I would say, we actually looked like we had a game plan that we imposed on them. Um, it was controlled, I think there there are questions about the, the creativity and, and things like that, but I think that that's almost by the by. I think we looked organised. Um, I think the midfield defended well, the defence defended well. And I think it's been a while since we've played against a team where we've held them at arm's reach like that. Like we've, we've won games, we've had good results. With, but it's been a while since, even though it wasn't the most entertaining performance, and you know, come on to that, I'm sure. Um, we we imposed our way of playing on someone, and we didn't look like we panicked at any point. We scored, we, we, we looked like we were going to hold them off. We scored, we held them off. We probably should have scored again.
0: Yeah, it was that. I mean, I think you can talk about over 210 minutes if you include the Israel game we haven't yielded a lot of chances. Yes, we haven't created a lot either, but the only major chance I can think of across those two games was when um, just about in the last minute extra time the other night, Israel fizzed one across the goal, um, which which the boy probably should have got onto. But everything else has been, you know, outside of the box and, and half chances and things like that. And so from that side of things, um, I think Scotland have done well. Um, to I I think had we not seeing everything that had gone before and you just watched last night's game in isolation, you would say that was a really kind of good controlled Scotland performance. And if someone else had done that to us, if we'd gone to Slovakia or Czech Republic and lost a game like that, you'd have said, look, they they didn't give us a sniff kind of thing. I think we yeah. were it's it's the most I'm dominance maybe not the right word, but but Scotland controlled that game last night. Um, from the outset, I think we we started on the front foot. Which we've generally done under Clark, we've generally the first five, ten minutes, gone out and tried to impose ourselves on the game. We've maybe just not with the exception of the Russia game, um, where we ultimately lost um, at Hamden, we've not actually found that early goal, but we have been kinda up and at them and kinda in the box and stuff like that. We saw that again, but yet I think there has been a sense that people have been over overdoing the or however many minutes without a shot on target stuff because we did still create openings and opportunities. Jim I don't think you can legislate for Scott McTominay missing an essentially a free header from six yards against Israel. That should yeah. be a shot on target. So I think that was overplayed a little bit and and as we saw last night, you ultimately only need one shot on target to win a game. and that's that's what we got. And if it's a good enough, you know, opening for a shot on target that you can't miss, then you're going to score. Um, and and I heard I didn't hear it myself. I read someone saying that actually Craig Levine was on the radio and he was saying that Steve Clark's Kelly teams had a really created very few chances relative to like everything else, but had a really high shot conversion rate, which for mm-hmm. a team with Eamon Brophy in it is particularly impressive. <laughs> um, so it seems like that's maybe carrying on um, and into this Scotland team.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think uh, I think uh, I mean even like. The you you're I'm kind of comparing apples and oranges here, but even like the great Barcelona team, even Arsene Wenger's Arsenal team, and they're not we're not there yet, obviously. <laughs> not, not quite. They did they, they they didn't take lots of shots. the 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 point was to get to a point. It's one of these these sort of misnomers, but one of these these misleading statistics uh, that a team teams that have lots of shots on goal are are necessarily totally dominant. All that matters is scoring if you if you 're taking lots of shots but they 're not from optimal positions or you know you're you 're putting things you 're hopefully getting balls into the box that 's not great if you 're getting to a stage where you don 't have to take lots of shots because the ones that you do count great i think we're we 're nowhere near that yet obviously no. but um, <laughs> there were a there were three probably four good opportunities last night. We scored one of them, we hit the bar, I um, hit the bar with another, and there there were another couple that, that Dykes had that um, we could have got more out. So I, I think the, the not having, you know, they're not having shots on target thing is, is slightly misleading. I do buy the criticism, not not wholeheartedly, that over... You know, over however many games now, it hasn't been scintillating football. It hasn't been anything really approaching that. I think the first forty-five last night was had flashes of, of inspiration, but it was largely ri uh, not rigid's not the right word, but it was a a dogged performance. It was um, it was gritty. It was asserting authority in the midfield rather than you know hugely creative but I think there's over the last 20 years there have been plenty of times when Scotland have played quite good football there have been times when we have uh, had smash and grab wins there's has been times when we have we have being reasonably entertained. I'd like to be entertained at a European Championships just by being there. I'd like to be entertained at a World Cup by just being there. And and ultimately, the big picture is all that's important at international level. Winning, and we have won a a couple of games, admittedly won by penalties, but we've won a couple of games that we possibly wouldn't have a couple of, certainly the the last night's game, possibly the, the game against Israel, that we possibly wouldn't have um, a, a couple of years ago and there are an awful lot of people who I have seen the criticism that there was, and there was surprising amounts of criticism I think for the performance especially in the first half last night who have quite who who kind of hark back to the days when we used to qualify for things who have quite short memories about how we used to you know we used to kill some games in those qualifiers as well Um and you know I've mentioned this this before, but we're only eighteen months on from from Kazakhstan. We're not there yet. I think there's been incremental things in what Steve Clark's done that have been impressive. I wouldn't say we're anywhere near a finished article, but I think given the given the 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 relative quality of the opponents, I mean they are ranked what fifteen twenty places higher than us. Uh, in the rankings, um, given what was at stake, given the chance it was a, a given a chance to to maintain our momentum at the top of the group, given who was out for for us, um, I think we've got to be very happy with with uh, with the result.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that was something that that probably wasn't but, emphasised quite enough on Thursday night in the discussion of Thursday nights. I thought. Um, it's funny that that someone um, accused Sean of being too positive about Thursday night's <laughs> performance. Because I, I, listening to that podcast from um, from Friday, I certainly didn't get that impression. There, was, from anyone. there were
1: not many positives. No,
0: vibes. no, um, and 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 it was fair enough. But I think I think there, yeah. there was more. There was more. Po- I felt more positives out of the Israel game, even though the game was rotten and the performance was rotten. I felt like there was at least a little bit of a sign of some of the players starting to know what they were supposed to be doing, even if they didn't execute it well. And I think what's what's been overlooked is we we are missing probably we are missing probably from that if being five players who should have been starting, um, and and Tierney, um, McKenna, um, Christie Armstrong, and Palmer, Palmer. Who yeah. all would probably have started that game had they been available. Possibly Forrest, possibly, possibly Forrest as well. Yeah,
1: Armstrong would have probably featured at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly, and. Last night we were missing Liam Cooper as well. It felt like um and, and we'll go on to talk about the defence and, and Andy Considine, um, but it felt like he was probably there there, there had to be four left sided centre halves out to to give him that opportunity. <laughs> um, you know, um probably at least. Um, but but he seized it with both hands. Um and I was just kind of thinking today, imagine seven years ago you told someone the Scotland backline, forget about McTominay because we wouldn't have known who Scott McTominay was um, seven years ago, but the, the Scotland backline would have contained Andy Robertson who'd been playing at Queen's Park at the time um, Andy Considine who'd have been a bit of an Aberdeen joke figure um, Declan Gallagher who I think was playing probably for either Dundee or Clyde at the time and then Stephen O'Donnell who was for Partick Thistle in the Championship and I was thinking it would be the equivalent of saying right now, like picking out <laughs> a bunch of lower league players And saying Oh yeah that, That's going to be Your Scotland backline And in, in, you know In 2027 um, And I think It, it kind of we, I, I'm guilty of it myself You do this Where you sit And you kind of pick out The future Scotland team And you go Where's our future goalkeeper Coming from Or where's our future Centre half coming from And you kind of look through And you pick it out But sometimes People just come out Of nowhere um, and, and that's happened With a few of these guys To be honest And um I thought the defensive performance all of the all of the back five in fact um were probably as good as I've seen them play for Scotland uh, last night. Um I mean we, had, well, we hadn't seen Constantine play before but he was very solid McTominy as much as I've been critical of him in that role he's grown into it. Um Gallagher has been pretty good whenever he's played and and finally I think O'Donnell Turned in a performance that you would expect, and and Robertson, I think, I think is starting to get to grips with playing wing back again. It's been a long time since he's played there, and um, you're going back to his holidays for the last time he played wing back, really. So it might just take him a bit of time to adapt um, to the role. But I feel like it was a it was a proper captain's performance last night.
1: Yeah, I think that totally fair. I, I think, like you say, I think if we'd uh, never mind a, a year ago, if you'd said. Uh, if you'd said a couple of weeks ago that the 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 the, the Scotland uh, the Scotland back three um, for this game would be um, you know Gallagher, Considine, and McTominay, I think there would have been widespread panic. Um, I, I think, you know, even even between even even now, I think they they probably must only have what seven or eight Scotland appearances in defence anyway between them. Um, so yeah, not not experienced um by by any stretch. But I thought they were they were all excellent. I thought the, the back five, as you said, were were excellent. I thought O'Donnell had a very good game um especially going forward. I thought he was he was good, but I think I, I think overall I think the, the, the midfield deserves a lot of credit for the way that the for the way that they didn't let Anyone get at the defence? The the energy levels in the midfield were really good. Yeah. I thought, um, I thought John Fleck was under underrated and kind of underappreciated that he got back and forward an awful lot. I thought, you know, Kenny McLean wasn't amazing in, with his distribution, but it, um, he got back and forward an awful lot. But but overall, the the the, the back three, I thought were were excellent. i I like you, I'm not still not a hundred percent sold on McTominay. I'm probably not even 50% sold on McTominay as a centre-back, but I thought he worked well and he was, he, he was kind of the one that was able to, to to step out into midfield a lot more. I think um,
0: that's, that's about the part of it that really works for me is that you see, because mm-hmm. actually the other night, um, five minutes in, I was like, oh, maybe McTominay is playing in midfield and it was because when we had the ball, he was happy to stride out and kind of become an extra midfielder almost, but when we didn't, he was, he was playing centre-half.
1: yeah. And that was obviously the you know it's almost like Steve Clark knows a bit more about what he's doing than than me, but uh um I, that was obviously the plan um, it it looked you know I, I'm like I say I'm not completely sold on this yet, but it definitely worked last night I thought, uh, he was good I thought gallagher was was good was was very good i thought um he actually like he had a he had a cup one very good block. Um in the second half, he thought he was solid throughout and i 've just i 've just got s- such a lot of love for Andy considine having a Scotland cap i mean i I, I said at the start of the night yesterday or uh, you know when he was called up if if he gets one Scotland cap it would be great he, he'll he will look back on his career at some point and be like he played five hundred odd games possibly more he 'll be one of the top five probably uh, Aberdeen appearances of all time. You'll have 40-odd goals for Aberdeen. You'll have a League Cup winner's medal um, and a cap, which would be nice. I think he's probably done enough that he should start again. Um, I think he's probably done enough that if there's... Any like he 's obviously not going to be a first choice if everybody 's fit, but I think he 's done enough that his name will be in contention if people inevitably pull out, which in the next year you imagine that 's going to happen i 've got a lot of love for for that um and how honest he was in his interviews um, afterwards and how much it meant to him I think he 's got better as he 's got into his thirties i mean he 's got better as he 's got older but there generally comes a point when uh you you know you you slow down a little bit or you're uh you're physically not up to it as as you might have been but he he's last season was certainly his best uh, defensively for aberdeen um he's gone from having erratic moments shall we say to being Pretty reliable to being like the best possible compliment you could give him as he's seven out of ten every week, and um, in the with it, in the best way of the world. So uh, like his concentration's got better. He's he's quick enough. He's decent in the air. Is is he the answer to all centre back issues? No. Um, is he going to play regularly for Scotland if everybody's fit? No. Is he likely to make every squad for the next two years? No. Is he good enough now in this system? I think on the basis of the evidence last night he's as good as the other central defenders who are available and and I, I think I'm right in saying he was the last Scotland player in that 11 to score a hat-trick
0: <laughs> P- possibly I, I never yeah. checked that but that, that would be a good stat if that was the case um, I don't I don't remember Lyndon Dyke scoring one, um, and I don't think Ryan Fraser or John John McGinn would have scored a hat trick for Scotland more recently than that. That that would be your one fatal. Oh, uh, a,
1: a, a domestic hat trick. Maybe yeah. a uh, domestic hat trick. I'll revise this until it's true.
0: Um, but but yeah, I, I thought um, yeah I although I have generally you know if Aberdeen fans have been calling for him to be in the Scotland squad and you've said well, well hold on, there are several other players who are either better than him or who are as good as them um, and a bit younger and therefore got more to offer long-term. Last night wasn't about long-term, it was about winning the game. So actually, when I saw them in the team, I wasn't hugely worried because I thought, especially with this system, players', players weaknesses can be kind of sheltered a bit in this, the three at the back anyway, because, as you said, they're, they're so well covered for that the, the defenders are first and foremost just being asked to defend um, and, and both him and Gallagher are very capable of that they're, they're kind of um, first and foremost defensive players and they just attack the ball don't do anything stupid and, and carry on so I think it all worked out and, and I think as you said the passion from him we saw it from O'Donnell when he made his debut a while ago there is something to be said for having these guys um, who are very keen to play for Scotland in the sense that you know you're getting 100% commitment you get the same from Lyndon Dykes at the other end of the park one of my favourite Scotland strikers to watch in in the last while already, just in terms of the way he plays. And I think you've you've really seen a um, corner turned by Ollie McBurney in this um this doubleheader I thought. Although he didn't impact the game a lot the other night, he um he put a good shift in. And then the um one of the highlights of, of the game for me last night was McBurney, um McGregor and Robertson just down in the corner, just constantly um tormenting Slovakia and seeing out the last kind of five, six minutes of the game with absolutely no hassle.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think all of that's true. Yeah. I, I think we've, I think we've, w- one of the things I like most about Dykes is every time I see him play, I learn a tiny little thing that he couldn't, I didn't realise that he could do before. Like, I realised he was good at creating chaos. I realised his touch was good. I realised he was good in the air. His link-up plays good. Um, I think the last couple of times the the last couple of Scotland internet or or certainly his caps his the way he links up quite close like his actual um short passing is quite neat quite intricate he can he not to fall back on cliches but it's not just like good touch for a big man he he will play the ball with his back to goal and turn and play on the shoulder and ready to go again. And I think bringing in the the way that Scotland set up last night, when especially in the second half, when Ryan Fraser was given a little bit more freedom to kind of roam around and effectively play completely as a second striker and John McGinn slightly further back. If you've got a striker and you you've got some players around him that are going to do... They're going to play that supporting role you do need to bring them into the game quite quickly and it's not just a case of holding up the ball and waiting for support i think his 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 kind of hold up play was actually quite intricate at, at parts last night which was really um really interesting really good to see it, um, was, it was when
0: there was like three or four defenders round about him and he seemed to manage to keep the ball hmm. which is something that I think Scottish strikers have been particularly poor at you know they, they they as soon as they get crowded out it just seems like the, the ball bounces off them and goes away but that didn't seem to be the case with Dykes
1: yeah and I think there's already I mean I don't know quite how this would fit in in a system but already if if, if Scotland could get like I think we we've seen that McBurney and and Dykes together probably doesn't work but if if Lee Griffiths gets fit again, the idea of having, or at least potentially being able to play someone like Dykes and someone like Griffiths together is is quite exciting for a forward line, which is not something you could say about Scotland for for quite a while. Um, I agree with McBurney as well. I think it was uh, he was he was a nuisance when he came on last night. Probably was a bit unlucky not to score. Um, and as a as a sort of like for like replacement, when you know Dykes was possibly a little bit lucky to not get a second booking, um, being able to 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 bring on a um, to bring him on uh, uh, was a was a real benefit. I think there feels like I think one of the biggest positives is over the last over the Steve Clark era, if you can call it an era it's felt like the players wanted it to work. They've felt like every interview after a fairly flat performance or or something where maybe we didn't hit the heights has felt like, you know, we all want to be here. We all understand what we're doing. We're all pulling in the same direction, which hasn't always been the case in the last few years. Actually, after last night's game, it did feel like everybody who wanted Everybody who was there wanted to be there. Everyone was pleased with the result. Everyone was pleased that they did what they want to do. And a number of players who have been either overlooked or perhaps haven't had their best performances for Scotland, players like you know, uh, Ryan Fraser, John Fleck has been down the pecking order a little bit just because of the abundance that we've got in midfield, put in really really good performances and did the kind of things that um, we we know that they can do because of the club level that they're playing at
0: and I think it probably says a lot about the game that we've not actually talked much about any incidents that happened in the game because there, there weren't a lot um, <laughs> obviously the, the goal itself was, was really nice play um, nice link up we, we won the ball we pressed really high up the park and I think it was Robertson won the ball back on the left hand side kind of got shifted in field. Um there was some nice link up with O'Donnell and Fraser on the the right hand side. I think I said we were probably lucky VR wasn't in operation there because I think Ryan Fraser was probably half an inch offside when O'Donnell gave him the first ball, um which would have no doubt seen that go- that goal ruled out. But it came back to O'Donnell and then it was a, a really nicely weighted cross into Dykes and Dykes couldn't miss from there. Um beyond that I'm I'm struggling to think. I mean We've talked through all the players, kind of, and in, in what we discussed there. David Marshall being the only one we didn't discuss mainly because he d- he didn't do anything of note, because he didn't have to. Um, I
1: think it it's it, it's the sort of goal we usually concede. Yeah, I think I think it. That you know there might have been a bit of controversy about it, and it's it it's quite it was quite clever play. It was the there were only a couple of flashes of real inspiration, almost all of them being Scottish. I think Hamzik had a couple of really nice balls where he obviously enjoys playing 40-yard balls um, on rushing strikers, but largely it was the, the few moments of inspiration there were, were from Scottish players, but deserving of a goal, lovely ball from, uh, you know, a neat bit of play, lovely ball into the box and, and a, a good striker's finish. It was nice.
0: Yeah. Um, so, what about, I mean, being quite positive, what, what do you think are still the negatives? What What do you think needs to be worked on ahead of well, the Czech game, first of all, and then obviously going on to, to Serbia next month?
1: I mean, I, I think the both games will be against better opponents. Uh, I mean, I think not, not massively. Um, Serbia have had a bit of a seems like they've had a, a bit of a, a torrid time in their recent matches as well. They don't Look like they've clicked necessarily either. I, I think it was really pleasing to see that we had a controlled performance. I think over the two matches, not not I'm almost standing myself up in opposition to what I said earlier, but we are going to have to work a little harder to create things to win those games. Um, not just because of the the, the chances created, but we were dogged and when we needed it to be we defended the numbers when we needed to be and we controlled the game well um it could like like you said though, it, it could well, uh have that our one goal goal from last night despite all the positives could easily have been ruled out for offside and then it's a very different story um so i think we're not quite sure what check we're going uh, what check team we're going to get but certainly with serbia we know that there are there are better players in that um, so i think the the biggest the biggest task is can we do this again but to uh, to to step it up a level um we've mentioned that there are probably at least four or five players who if everyone's fit would come back into the team does that come into presumably that doesn't just come into consideration, but it would mean that players who were very good performers, like your John Flex, like your you know potentially your Ryan Fraser, um, uh, probably Kenny McLean, um, one of at least one of, if not two of the back four. Does that mean we're disrupting a team that did quite well, yeah. or 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 are we drilled well enough drilled that the players that are coming in know what they're doing i think based on based on reputations, you would imagine that like christian yeah, i don't know if if he's fit, Forrest would start the players who played last night certainly going forward looked like they had a like the dykes Fraser and McGinn as a sort of supplementary forward seem to have quite a good understanding, and there's a really nice balance between them um do we disrupt that? It seems like a strange question for a Scotland supporter to have,
0: but it does. And I think I think the one thing that we've learned from Steve Clark is he's generally not. He won't make decisions based on sentiment. He'll pick the best team, so he won't go. Oh well, Andy Constantine played well against um, against Slovakia and and hopefully the Czech Republic. Therefore, I'm not going to bring Kieran Tierney back into the team for him. That doesn't seem like something mm-hmm. he would do. Um, but you're right. It could disrupt. It could disrupt things. Um,
1: I guess one of the one of the question marks is presumably. I mean, Andy Robertson suspended.
0: Yeah, so so that
1: I, so we have I, a question I, mark over who plays at left. I, I
0: assume. I mean, Greg Taylor is the only one in the squad. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. If You'd assume it was him. Um, of course, being a wing back position, you could just you could as easily kind of see someone like like McGregor. I talked about this for Celtic playing there or or other players. But I think I think Taylor will, will get the nod. I think he's shown he, he trusts him in these types of games anyway. And he, he should be fine. He's obviously not a, a I say he's a fine replacement for Robertson. He's obviously not that, but he, he is um, capable of playing that role. It is interesting that we, we now have a left back who started two games in Serie A as well, who's come out of the blue. Yeah. Um, he's not in this he's not in the squad and, and obviously you can't be calling um I don't think you can be calling over overseas players in at this kind of notice in terms of all the, the COVID stuff. But it will be interesting to see how that goes because um, he's actually playing wing-back for his club as well and playing wing-back in the style that I would say Clark is expecting his wing-backs to play whereas Taylor is not that Um, so it'll be interesting going forward but it did very much seem like perhaps Robertson had been told he wasn't going to be playing on Wednesday anyway and therefore if he wanted to get himself a nice booking, then why not try? Because it, it did yeah. seem a little bit um, and a bit out of character, I would say, in terms of
1: getting <laughs> that cheap booking.
0: I expect maybe three or four changes again. I think he'll, he won't he won't disrupt things unnecessarily, but I would expect probably um, well. Robertson's going to be replaced. I wouldn't be surprised to see um, one or two changes in the midfield, and I don't know. Um, O'Donnell's played well, but he's had um, he had cramp on. Thursday night he's then um, played another game Will he well, we maybe look to make a change on the right hand side as well. But I think it's very hard to pre- predict a Clark team anyway. Perhaps he perhaps he'll think about whether um, McBurney comes in for Dykes just because again for the same reasons. Um, it would it, to me it would maybe make sense to just give McBurney a, a run so that if we go into that um, game next month and for any reason Dykes can't play. We know what McBurney can do in that role now that he's maybe kind of developed a bit more confidence, but it's very hard to predict a team. So I think we'll we'll leave the Scotland discussion there, and we will move into an area where we are probably much less comfortable talking about, um, mainly because it's very hard to get highlights and things like that. But there was much, more, there was more Betfred Cup action at the weekend. Sixteen matches across the eight groups. Um, Two of them on the telly, which I, d- I did watch both of. But beyond that, um, we we are going on highlight packages and what people have said and so on. But I thought what we could essentially do is the same as same as Andy and, and Craig did the other night. Run through the groups. If you've got anything to say on the games, then then pipe up. And then if not, we'll kind of gloss over the ones that we don't know very much about. Um, so we'll start with Group A in the Betfred Cup, and that was um, the. the two results, Beef now Hearts 1 and Wraith 2, East 5-1 so Hearts scraped, I would say, a victory it sounded like they were particularly poor, again, because I wasn't impressed with them against Inverness and Midweek Island but they've got two wins out of two
1: Yeah, I think one of the, the sort of over, overwhelming um, with one notable exception, the overwhelming takeaway from the first couple of rounds of games has been, I I kind of expected the teams that were up and running earlier to be significantly ahead of where the part-time sides were fitness-wise and uh, and personnel-wise. And it doesn't seem to have been the case. I mean, the, the League Cup, these groups always kind of throw up a odd odd couple of games, but it doesn't seem to be in the case at all. And I think Hearts looked like... I mean, this, we, this is almost like last season all over again, but it, it looked like the, the personnel that were brought in would walk the championship they may yet walk the championship the the squad is definitely better than anyone else is there but the two matches the evidence of the two matches albeit um very early days they have not looked great and you know Cowdenbeath are a long way from being uh the the, the standard of some of the teams that they will be up against the season and hearts did toil um Cowden Beath had quite a lot of chances going on the and and decent chances as well. And it must be kind of surreal for for uh for for like Craig Gordon to be having to make uh match-defining saves at, um in methyl against Cowden Beath. Um, so uh, you know I th- I think Hearts will definitely get better, but um and obviously, they they won the game. They they should have won uh, 2-0 and put a bit of gloss on it, although a slightly dodgy penalty decision at, at the end. But they don't look like they're firing on all cylinders just yet.
0: I think they, they, they don't seem to go together too well with the BetFed Cup group stages. I don't think they've got through a year of the group stages without something... Shambolic happening. Obviously, we had the, the Caffrell one, which was, was certainly. Um, they lost to Peter Head, I think they struggled in another game, and then, they, of course, had that infamous penalty shootout against Infernal at Tynecastle, which is one of my favourite <laughs> things I've uh, watched in Scottish football. Um, they obviously had to carry on with Andy Irving, um, but they still scraped through nonetheless. Um, and then, yeah, the, the last year they were very unconvincing in the group stage. It was Craig Halkett digging them out a hole again, as it was last year. Um, He scored away to Beef in a victory last season as well and then he scored twice against Stenhouse-Muir and of his eight goals for Hearts, six of them have come in the Cups so that seems to be his his thing Um, but yeah, there there were some positives I would say from the performance the other night but from the sounds of things there were fewer positives from from Saturday apart from, from getting the win Maybe the fact I think Andy Irving got called up kind of on Saturday morning to the Scotland Under-21 squad and therefore disappeared. Um, don't know if that contributed at all, but um, that's probably been very generous because as good as Andy Irving is, um, he's not that good. Um, the other game, Wraith East Fife, I, I did catch the highlights of. Um,
1: that looked like a good game. But yeah. Based purely on the highlights, so it looked like a good game.
0: Yeah, East Fife took the lead. It was a, a kind of acrobatic finish from, from uh, young Newton. I can't remember his first name now, uh, a teenager that was in the team. The penalty that Rafe got for the equaliser looked a wee bit soft to me, um, but Regan Hendry stuck that away. And then Manny Duku, um, who, who was playing up front, um, scored the winner. Um, but from what I gather, he did not necessarily impress. Uh, well, I mean, it, it,
1: I. I... Only what caught the the highlights of it, it looked like quite an n ten game, and um, uh, yeah, um, I don't know. I don't really have anything further I to add. It's very, <laughs> as I
0: say. This is uh, it. It's very much just reading out the scores at this point. But ju- just to make sure everyone gets a wee mention, um, we, we will do that. Group B was a game that was on on um, Saturday lunchtime on the telly, which was a really entertaining game I thought as well. Which was Cove Rangers one Hibs two. Did, did you catch the game?
1: Um, I didn't catch the game I, again. Just watched the highlights. I was on my way back from from uh, foreign climes <laughs> at that time. But no, it looked like a really good game. Looked, uh, looked competitive. I mean, I think um, ultimately Hibs had the the the, the quality to see it out and a really nice uh, winner from Kevin Nisbet. But um, Cove gave a really good account of themselves, um, and obviously they're. A, a good few weeks behind, fitness-wise. Um, and, I th- yeah, quite pleased for them.
0: Yeah, I, I, the thing for me with COVID, you see, sometimes see lower league teams, kind of and part-time teams especially, coming up against premiership clubs, and it's like they, they play well and you think, oh, they could have got a result out of that game, but it's all kind of backs to the wall stuff and defending. But that really wasn't the case. Cove, cool for, for parts of that game, especially in the first half, played play types off the park, or at least were the better team in terms of the footballing side of things. Um now Hibbs were missing quite a few players through ten, through international duty. Um, they had Stephen McGinn in midfield. that tells you how, how low they were sinking. But um they and and I think they also for some reason were playing with one centre half. So so there was a sense of it of it being a bit odd for Hibbs. But um I was really impressed with how Cove played football and um, just, just the way that they knocked it about they kept possession really well they were a, a well-drilled team and then um, Dan Higgins scored a really nice free kick and um, they went in a half-time ahead and I think deservedly so um, but then Hibs, Hibs did kind of turn up a gear in the second half and I think kind of probably ultimately did deserve the win um, just on that second half performance but I think having watched Falkirk the other night, I've not seen Partick Thistle yet. I think Cove looked like they could be very competitive in League One. Um, it's obviously very hard to tell from these single games, but, but I really did like what I saw from them. Um, first time, I think the first time I've ever seen them play. I don't think I saw the cup game they were on last season. Um, and and I, liked, I liked the cut of their jib. Um, another Highland team in that group was Broader Rangers, um, and they lost 2-0 at home to Dundee. Um, interesting highlights for that one. Um, quite a long highlights package that Broada put up, and it was um, the camera seemed to be stationed like in line with the eighteen yard box, and it seemed to be a single camera. So everything that was happening down the other end was very much from behind the play, which <laughs> fair enough. It gave you a, a real sense of being there, I suppose.
1: <laughs> Nostalgic for a simpler um, time.
0: Charlie Adam looked quite involved for Dundee. That was his debut for Dundee um, after the, their game um, the other night. Obviously, never went ahead. He was involved in the first goal. He played a really nice like, kind of quarterback pass, the kind of pass that you expect Charlie Adam to make, which he, you know he picks the ball up in the midfield and he hits the pings the diagonal out to the left wing, um, and then it was cut back for the Doran's goal. And then um, him, uh, Christy Elliott set one up for Danny Mullen cross from the right, so. Two good goals from from Dundee and I think Adam and Doran's looked very creative. They looked like a, um, both of them were a level above what you would expect to see from the championship, I guess in terms of kind of just talent and creativity. of course they were playing against the Highland League team, but Broda did appear to be quite in the game it didn 't look like you know Dundee kind of played them off the park or anything of the sort so
1: I think Bro although they're a Highland League team Broda would be very competitive in. League 2 you know, yeah, the, yeah you would the,
0: You would expect so and, and they obviously They'll have a They'll have a bit of an axe To grind and a kind of Point to prove this season And, and to show that as well With, with obviously the, Not getting the opportunity to, to play off To try and earn their place there um, They'll probably be favourites To win the Highland League again Although it's a shortened season So so anything could happen um, Group C St Johnston 7 Brecon City now Um Yeah St Johnstone
1: scoring goals what is going on?
0: so they'd scored 6 goals in their first 11 games of the season and then in game number 12 they managed to more than double it
1: I've got um, they, they, they're 20 they've got 23 before this game they had 23 goals in 2020 in all competitions
0: they've the added to that they, there wasn't like an official highlights package but when I stuck it into YouTube um, someone had live streamed the whole thing like essentially nicked the stream off the what well, I assume was St Johnstone TV and St Johnston TV's commentary must be the most Unexcited I've ever heard Like Goals were going in and they were basically not even changing, Raising their voice It was like, <laughs> oh yeah, and that's another goal For St Johnston. well done David Wallace went side foots it into the net um, I was very curious But watching some of the goals back on that Have um, you ever seen The footage of Australia the American Samoa When they won 32-0 <laughs> some of the goals looks like that the fourth goal that St Johnston scored in particular just, just looked like you know they were playing a team about 50 levels below them um, and in some senses maybe they were um,
1: I, I I did think that like, although obviously do you want to take anything away from St Johnston and I'm not and Stephen May scoring a hat-trick Lovely stuff. Um, but there are there are definitely two stories in this 7-0, and one is a 7-nil and one is a nil seven. Um, it doesn't look great for, for breaking.
0: No. Um, especially after they, they they shipped six to Dundee United in midweek as well. And talking of Dundee United, they were they were the victims to what was definitely the be- the biggest result of the weekend, um, as Peter Head, I think deservedly won one nil at Tannadice.
1: Yeah, um, Yeah. uh, I mean, Peterhead, they're they're a pretty well-drilled team, but you'd have thought that the way Dundee United have started the season and the personnel that they had, you know, obviously there's no no Shankland, but um, still the personnel that they had would have been more than enough to beat Peterhead. And from the sounds of it, they were thoroughly sterile, um, didn't get anything out of the game, didn't really get going. And... Obviously, you don't want to go by the more uh, reactionary sections of social media, but there were a lot of Dundee United fans who were very, very angry uh, about this performance um, and and the way that uh, Mickey Mellon set the team up and the you know, the, the inability to change the game against um, you know against the side that they should comfortably have been beating and who I think you know have have a t- very small squad.
0: Yeah, and the thing—the thing for it, the—the the goal that the Peterhead scored. Um, Stephen Boyd essentially had the ball on the left wing. and got dispossessed, and the play went back, and Peterhead you kind know, of knocked it across to the right wing. And while all that happened, Boyd was just allowed to kind of float in a little bit of space. Nobody really picked him up. Um, Liam Smith, who's playing right back, and won his first games back um, this season got sucked in centre-half. So Connolly was marking, you know, he was on the right-hand side of the, the back four, um, picked up the striker and, and Connolly had the striker, but Smith kind of got sucked in to almost double up on him and Boyd was just left standing on the edge of the box kind of all alone. And I know that Mark Connolly is maybe not um, the most convincing centre-half at times, but I think you can trust him to be one-on-one against a League One centre-forward um, and, and so Smith kind of just ended up leaving Boyd Unmarked and so it was a really bad goal to concede from Dundee United's point of view and it puts their, their progression obviously in, in a bit of jeopardy as well um, from, from this group, they've still got to play Kelty and they've, they've still got to play St Johnston so if they were to not beat St Johnston, which they're probably not favourites to do, they they probably won't get through
1: mm. Yeah uh, and, and obviously there are bigger priorities for Dundee United this season but this is these are not games that these are the, the these are, are games that they should be able to win with the squad that they've got regardless of losing a couple of players and and, and i think the the biggest question from the Dundee united uh, fans was the, the 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 sort of lack of fight that even yeah sometimes you go behind and, and Peter Heather fairly Decent, well-drilled sides who know what they're doing and have been together for a wee while. The squad's been together for a wee while, but to go behind and to surrender possession—that the way that they they did. Uh, again, I'm going by Dundee United Twitter rather than having watched this, but from the sounds of it, and from the sense of what their supporters were saying, um, to surrender possession—that the way that they did—and to kind of lose meekly uh, isn't isn't a sign of you know not something that they took too well shall we say
0: especially with the cherry on the top of their club TV not working which which certainly doesn't doesn't help <laughs> um, Group Group D I couldn't find highlights for either of these games but our bro Threatman no. 3-1 they came from behind to win that one and Elgin City beat in Albion 2-0 Um for our bro, that's two wins out of two, and they go to Ross County tomorrow. So if they can pick up a result against County, then then that would leave them very much in the driving seat in terms of this group, and you would not put it past them.
1: No, they, the, I mean, they look like they picked up where they left off last season. They, they look um, very good result, um, local derby, and a bit of fortitude about it as well. Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't put it past them causing Ross County some problems.
0: Um, moving on to Group E and I assume you won't also given your away won't have seen Dunfermline beating Falkirk on Friday night um,
1: I mean I, I was going to skip over whatever Italian it was, the, was it the Italian national team were on on Thursday or Friday yeah. <laughs> I, wasn't, was it? No, I, I did catch the highlights of this one they looked like a good game it was a good in, game very end to end looked quite open two sides going at it. a lot of space uh, quite a lot of chances yeah look like a real
0: I, I really liked what I saw from Dunfermline um, Kelly are playing them tomorrow night and, and with half a team essentially um, and so it'll be an interesting game I think because they, they do look quite dangerous Um both the goals came from from set pieces from Ewan Murray, their their captain centre half. Um Ewan Murray, who I discovered, played in the Oceanic Champions League for a team from the Solomon Islands, which was a nice thing to find out today. Um <laughs> when I when I was just looking into him. But uh, both both of them I think Dom's Don Thomas crosses both times. Um at the start, the first 20 minutes of the game, I thought Dunfermline were, were going to win about 5-0. They just were running over the top of Falkirk. Um, they had they had a lot of chances and a, or a lot of openings. Um, but Falkirk grew into it a little bit more um, and, and maybe could have taken something. Um, Kevin O'Hara was obviously playing against his former club. Uh, I, I thought he was maybe a little bit disappointing. He missed a couple of good chances for Dunfermline. Obviously, he's kind of essentially supposed to be their, their Nisbet replacement and so it will be a big year for him there I think um, Stephen Whittaker I thought had a really good game for them firmly in the middle of the park so there's maybe still a bit of life in him yet but it was just that yeah it was just that I think it was just not a strange pick because it was a good pick from Premier Sports it's not the sort of game I thought they would have picked but I think it proved to be a, a, a sensible one and, and it, was a, it was a really good game
1: yeah, certainly from the highlights, of a really good game. And uh, it's the sort of game that if, from at this level, when you've got a bit of a bit of needle in it and a bit of spice in it, you want to see.
0: Yeah. Um, the other one in that, in that group was Clyde 3, Dumbarton 2. Um, the highlight of that game was Barry Cudahy's goal. The opener for Clyde from about 30 yards just smashed it in. Um, an excellent goal. Um, David Goodwillis with a penalty, Dumbarton Pulled one back, but then um, there was a really nice, um, nice bit of football from Josh Jack. So he set up um, Ross Cunningham for the third goal. Um, Josh Jack's a midfielder on loan from St Mirren. I think a youth player from St Mirren. And a couple of times he had some really nice through balls. The sort of creativity St Mirren could be crying out for actually at the moment. Um, of course, playing against a team two levels below what St Mirren are. But but I was quite impressed by him from the highlights. But beyond that yeah it was it was a win for Clyde, but these two sides are are probably realistically with three full time clubs in the um in the group, probably not um going anywhere um but nonetheless they would be happy clyde to to get the win um and I realize now that Kelly are playing them both next month and i've I've probably motivated them to to go out and and smash us um Group F, another one that I couldn't find highlights for was Hamilton beating Air United 2-1. They obviously bounced back from their defeat to Annan in midweek. Ockhampo and Charlie Trafford scored and and Michael Moffat for Air United. Air usually do pretty well in the group stages here, so it's always a surprise to see them lose even when they are playing um, Premiership opposition away from home. The other game in that group, um, and in, as as is so often the case when a smaller club kind of get a result and they, they maybe have the chance to build on it. it instead, they lost it on penalties to Strenard. Um Nineteen minutes of highlights on this one. I have to admit to not watching all nineteen <laughs> of them, but um, the Strenard goal was really nice. I don't know if you saw it, Tom.
1: No, I haven't seen any. I, I will. I will try and dig out as many of the nineteen minute highlights <laughs> as I can. Um,
0: but it was. Um. Daryl Duffy played a ball into the feet of kind of Joe Vittoria in the, in the box and he heeled it to Rory Payton. It was a really nice kind of worth move and Payton um, scored. And then Payton, a semi-acrobatic celebration is how I describe it. It was like he was about to start doing a cartwheel and then thought better of it and just pulled out. Um, Strenari-wise it was Owen Moxon um, from a corner and then Annan ultimately missed a couple of penalties and the shootout to, to ensure that they lost the game. Max Wright skied his and then there was a good save from Greg Fleming. Greg Fleming's a bit of a, a penalty expert, as far as I um, as far as I remember. But so I was expecting him to have kind of made a couple of good saves, but he just made one good save to to win the shootout. Two more groups to go. Tom were
1: nearly there. Um, yeah, this was the so St. Mirren Queen of the South was the one that I thought. I, I can't decide whether, given what St. Mirren have been, uh, given their their position and how things have been going for them recently, if coming back from 2-0 down to win on penalties against Queen of the South is a good result, or whether being 2-0 down and having to come back to win on penalties against a Queen of the South side that not not highly fancied this season no. is as a nice way of putting it, um is, is a is a very bad result and just kind of indicative of where they are at the moment.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: But, but top of the group and they did win on penalties.
0: Yeah, and and yeah, I think any time you come from two 0 down, no matter the circumstances, there's at least some positivity about that. Um, I, I didn't see the goals, but I, I, apparently McGrath's goal was a really good one. Um, so I'll hopefully when it comes out, when when some highlights become more available, I will see it. Um, I think I think I could have seen it if I'd bothered to sign up for an account on some Mirren TV, but because it was free. But I can't be bothered. They've, they've already got like the, to... my details in their pay-per-view service. I don't. I can't be bothered setting up another account for the same club.
1: It's almost like trying, like being, you know, like a a, a real a avid record collector in the '80s or something <laughs> like that. You've got to hunt down. You've got to know who's the guy that posts the highlights from, you know. Aloha Games. Who's the who's the, who's the account that's managed to get the odd angle to cover all these? So you, you've got to be dedicated.
0: Yeah, there, there is a sense of, yeah, yeah. Like, like It's just, can can you crack it down? It's like you need to use all your Google and YouTube search skills to try and come across <laughs> some of this stuff. Um, but so I, I didn't get them for this one. What I did get was some, um, a nice highlights back here from Queen's Park for their win over, or sorry, their defeat uh, to Partick Thistle at Four Hill. Either the highlights from Queen's Park were very kind of partisan in, in the way that they were put together or or Queen's Park were actually right in the game um, and and maybe could have had something from it. It was hard to tell. But the one thing that stood out for me more than anything else was Ross Doherty's hairdo. Um Ross <laughs> Doherty had bleached blonde, hair, but it looked like a troll, you know, like the troll dolls. Um, there was just something about it. And I don't know if it was just the way the sun was reflecting on it, but like it, it reminded me of like when Abel Javier played for um, Portugal or whatever and, and, and he was just so bleached white that you couldn't take your eyes off him. Um, he didn't do anything in the game but you just you just wanted to watch Ross Docherty all the time. Um, Joe Cardo ended up scoring both the goals for Thistle. Um, both of them kind of at the back post on the right. Um, Penrith crossed for the first one. That was a really nice finish. In the second one, Brian Graham set him up and he kind of took it inside the defender and, and slotted it away. And, and Thistle... Um, well, I guess even after their defeat to to submit in the midweek, we'll probably still fancy that if they can if they can win the other two it's two championship clubs, but um, Queenly South and Morton not in the best nick. If Thistle can go and win both those games, they might still have a chance of going through.
1: Yeah, I, and just one further point with the the uh, the um, Queens Park shirt and the Park Thistles traditional shirt that it, it did have a sort of. Uh, Bull in a sweet shop sort of flavour to it. I think if you if you do find pictures of the the two shirts together, it is it will give you diabetes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, there the certainly. I'm just sure that um, I bet some at some point on that Queen's Park strip have made a mistake. <laughs> I, I really, I, I almost want to buy a copy of it and just go through the results one by one and be like, actually, um, actually, you've forgotten your two 0 victory over Man Pro's on that Tuesday night in nineteen eighty four, um, and then they'll have to reprint the whole thing. Um, but I, maybe that's just me. Um, group H, the final group, uh, Livingston defeated Aloe Athletic two one. Had to come from behind to do so. Um, Aloua had taken the lead in the first half um, and it was... Uh, I, how come I forgot his name? I want to call him Robert Thompson. That is his name, isn't it? Um, scored after Strijek made a good save and Strijek had a, another good game. He obviously played really well against Rangers in the 0-0 draw, but he's played second fiddle to McCrory apart from that. But he, he seems to have a pretty good game again. Um, J. Emmanuel Thomas made, I think, his debut for Livy in this game yeah. and, and seemed to be quite involved. Looked, looked quite... Um, quite instrumental in a lot of what they did.
1: Um, he I uh, know uh, I think one of the points from Livingston as well was they they've they've messed around and tried to do something clever with deploying personnel. Um, and they looked a lot more like they'd gone back to basics. Not necessarily back to basics for Livingston and what they've been good in the last couple of years, but they looked like it, it everyone was playing a role that they were much more comfortable with um, and they looked like they'd, they'd set up a little bit more from from the sounds of what I again not having watched this myself, but from uh,
0: well, the sixteen games, Tom. I think we can be forgiven for not having watched every minute.
1: Every <laughs> Twenty um, minute highlights package is sixteen <laughs> games. Um,
0: <laughs> but but um, Alan Forrest uh, equalised for Levy. Um, Pat Neil Parry made a save from j j Manuel. Thomas. said he parried it. In fact, um, and then the the winner was at uh, Josh Mullen cross which was definitely a cross but but made it all the way into the net um, on his return to Livy. and the final game, um, last and very much least, was Edinburgh City 2, Stenhouse-Muir 2 Stenhouse-Muir taking the bonus points on penalties um, Botti Biave scored for Stenhouse-Muir Blair Henderson for, for Edinburgh City, then Danny Handling missed a penalty, it was weird because when you see it, um, I looked at it and Danny, Danny Handling missed a penalty and then it said like a minute later on the next minute Edinburgh City had scored and usually therefore I assume well he's missed that penalty and someone's tapped in the rebound but actually the save kind of went out wide, got cleared and then about 30 seconds later um, Handling himself set up um, Rafa De Vita to score and then Callum Tappan equalised for um, Stenhouse-Muir who, who ultimately took the point on penalties. There we go, Tom. We have talked through Betfred Cup um, every single Betfred every single Betfred game. Match. Um, it sets up a really nice uh, the midweek. This midweek is the uh, kind of game match day three of it. That's that's going to kind of set up the the direction of some of the groups. You'll start to see, you know, a, a lot of teams tend to get eliminated after the third game and teams set themselves up to go through I'm obviously from a from a biased perspective very interested to see the Kili game sounds like
1: the Killy team Never mind exactly the essentially
0: essentially, we're going to find out which Killer players had coronavirus because they're the ones that will be allowed to play <laughs> um, as long as they're actually healthy and able to do so um, it sounded like we were maybe going to have five senior players available um, which means I think a couple of the from, from what I read three of the ones who had coronavirus, which maybe means the other three are not quite out of the woods yet with it. And then another two who presumably were not in training that week and therefore didn't have to isolate. Um, so that'll be interesting. I'm hoping that Malumbu was maybe one of the ones, because he hadn't been training. Um, he'd had he'd had a wee knock, so he hadn't been at training in the week leading up to that. So I'm hoping he wasn't training that week and can play. Um and, and it sounds like Alex Dyer hasn't been asked to isolate um, he so he's gonna be able to manage the team. And my question is whether he should have registered himself as a player because he was a pretty decent forward in his day. And I would have been interested to see a kind of forty-five-year-old Alex Dyer leading in the line for Kelly. Um It doesn't sound like that's going to happen. Likewise, Andy Millen, his assistant, he was still playing in his 50s for Queen's Park, it felt like, so why not kind of (laughs) make a triumphant return to the the Kelly team about 30 years after they last played for us? Um, Doesn't sound like any of that's going to happen, but um, it will be interesting to see what team we put out. We're we're pretty much going to need to beat Dunfermline tomorrow night and then rack up some goal difference against Clyde and Dumbarton next month to, to give ourselves a chance of going through. So, I am looking forward to that game. I'm still, a tiny bit of doubt that it will require us to have a positive or sorry, negative test again, just to make sure. But hopefully, it goes ahead and, and we can win. And there's another game on the telly, but I have not. Really, I think it's Hearts again on the telly tomorrow night. I'll watch that simultaneously as well. But it's it's good to have all the Law League teams back, and, it, and it's, it was just nice on Saturday to be you know, looking through the results, looking through the teams and not just have six Scottish games to look at. So long may it continue.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. All
0: right. Well, I think we've talked for, for long enough tonight, Tom. Um, so <laughs> thanks very much for joining me on what was a, a journey through 17 different games of football. <laughs> um, one of which one of which was, um, we, we felt qualified to talk about and 16 of which we just did anyway yep. um, so hopefully thanks to all of you for listening I think there will be some Patreon content going up I don't think Tom and I are recording any because we weren't asked to and, and I haven't planned any So, but some other Patreon content will presumably be making its way up tonight and uh, we will speak to you soon so thanks very much everyone and enjoy your football
1: Sports Social Podcast Network